Hello, and welcome to Fintech Surge Podcast, creating a wealth of opportunities through fintech innovations in the Middle East for the Middle East. Powered by Fintech Surge, the region's leading fintech festival, hosted by Dubai World Trade Center, alongside Jitex Global. Hi, I'm excited to be joined today by Dr. Z Chen from New York University. Thank you for joining us, Dr. Chen. Thank you very much for the invitation. So Dr. Chin is actually a tenured associate professor and Andre Meyer fellow at Stern School of Business at New York University, and is also an affiliated professor at Computer Science and Center for Data Science. Uh, Dr. Chin's main research field is machine learning and complex data analytics, and his application in e-commerce and fintech. Uh, has a pretty impressive uh, resume that you have there, Dr. Chin. Thank you. So um, what, what I always start off with um, is, is the simple question, and it's very interesting that we get a lot of different answers for this, but what does FinTech mean to you? Uh, thank you, Stephen, for the invitation. I think it's a very exciting opportunity for me to join this podcast. Um, yeah, I think FinTech means a very exciting emerging area to me, both from research and from business, because it's really the field that combines modern technologies such as AI, artificial intelligence and the blockchain with finance. It's a track, you know, like, uh, it's very fascinating to me because actually, uh, as you introduced, I hold actually, I hold my PhD in machine learning and AI. Then I joined NYU Stern School of Business as a professor. As you know, like Stern is famous for its finance. So FinTech is a very interesting area for me as it combines both the technology part and the finance part. And also nowadays, it has a wider range of applications such as payment, robot advising, EKYC, crowdfunding, lending, DeFi, digital banking, personalized insurance, and also like say AI for fraud and security, this list can go on and on. That's amazing. And I mean, definitely that's, that's, a, that's a new take on FinTech. You know, obviously, you know, we have a lot of conversations with, uh, you know, payment providers, with, uh, you know, even people that can help with salaries and these sort of things, credit lenders. But, uh, you know, thinking about AI, uh, and its application in fintech is definitely a new spin that we're we're very happy to have on the show. And so, to kind of set the groundwork for the discussion, um, could you tell us a little bit more about you know what is AI and machine learning, and what are the advances that we've seen in the last few years when it comes to AI and machine learning? Yeah, uh, it's great. So, so basically, AI is you can consider them as a set of technologies that enable computers to perceive, learn, reason and also help people make decision-making to solve some complex problems. But really, I feel like nowadays, AI becomes a buzzword, especially in the past few years. So practically any computer program that can automatically does something, people just call it AI. But from a more professional perspective, we separate AI into two categories. One is called ANI, which is called artificial narrow intelligence, which means the AI agent has no self-awareness and cannot make the reasoning as a human being. But it can do certain tasks if you give them very clear instruction. For example, image classification, playing chess, or even self-driving car. In the long term, like we are thinking like if we can achieve this so-called AGI like someday, which means artificial general intelligence, like the AI has this self-awareness and can make real reasoning for the unseen problems. I don't know if you know that there is a kind of a debate online for an NLP system 
um, actually it's a Google engineer, Blake, you know, open his laptop and have the, some conversation with, uh, you know, like a basically a chatbot generator called Lambda. And he had a very long conversation and there is an argument on the internet whether this bot generator really has the, you know, like self-awareness and can make the real reason. Um, so AI contains many categories, but certainly machine learning is really the foundation of AI. Uh, when we talk about machine learning, you know, it has a wide, of, a wide range of applications. Uh, basically, you can using the machine learning to do the prediction and the classification, for example, you know, like time series predictions, so on and so forth. But what is most exciting advancement in the AI in the past, like say 10 years, is really about like deep learning. Uh, you know, like starting from like the collection of a huge image data set called ImageNet, and people propose this so-called AlexNet kind of a neural network framework based on the convolution neural network, and it has achieved the great accuracy in the image classification. And then we have like new like NLP system, the question answering system, speech system, and also, you know, like some, some you know, uh, AI system can make some actions, make the decision-making, for example, AlphaGo for playing the Go. So deep learning will be, the, I think, will be the one of the most exciting achievements of the AI um, in the past 10 years. And beyond that, I think another very interesting thing in the AI is that the AI becomes, you know, kind of prevailing and, and this kind of automation of some task into AI becomes easier and easier as the entrance bar becomes lower. So I, I, there is a very popular word in the AI called auto ML, which is, means auto, like automated machine learning. It's very easy to deploy and you can use some cloud services like Amazon AWS or like Google Cloud or Microsoft and to deploy like your auto machine learning very quickly. So that whenever you have some prediction classification task, NLP task, you can readily using this kind of a cloud tools to deploy your AI system. So that's many small business vendor especially those in FinTech can readily have this kind of the services. That's amazing. So, so if I answer your questions. Yeah, absolutely. That, that, was, that was a great answer to it. So, so not only are machines capable of learning, but now you can automate that machine learning as well. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> so that's amazing. And, and so, you know, obviously, you know, we, we, we come from uh, the fintech surge and, and we're, we're looking to explore, you know, what is the latest technology and what is the future of financial technologies? And it really seems like AI is the answer to that. So, so how is AI being applied to fintech today? And how do you believe that is going to, you know, shape the future of fintech tomorrow? Yeah, I think AI has already been kind of a, apply to fintech nowadays. I give you some examples. Uh, you know, like starting even from like, let's say like, you know, 10, 20 years ago, the people doing like quant trading or, you know, already use a lot of like machine learning techniques to do the prediction, for example, of the stock price. And the robot advising is kind of, a, you know, becoming more and more popular these days from the very low, like, you know, kind of advising fees. They use AI to, to automatically construct a portfolio. But in addition to that, for example, you know, like AI helps the fintech in the sense of like, for example, security. Uh, we, you, you can use like say graph neural network, which is very popular in deep learning nowadays to, for the financial risk analysis. And you can use like AI to detect the personal level credit card fraud, uh, corporate default risk, accounting fraud detection. Um, so this kind of things. And also, like, as I mentioned, like credit 
qualification is one of the very important application of AI. So using AI can automatically make the prediction with the likelihood that a person or a small corporate will default. And I, indeed, as you can see, like for example, more than 77% of people using credit cards and AI can better evaluate candidate qualification and make an accurate like interest on the loans, you know, even without any credit history. There are many companies in this field, like um, I just name a few, like the Zest AI, an Ether AI platform, which already have like more than I think 100 million users uh, collaborating with quite a few like credit card company. There's another company called Underwrite.ai, which is using AI to evaluate the small business loans of applicants. And in addition to like, you know, like the fraud and the credit qualification, I think another very interesting, like, and also exciting area for AI in the FinTech is about personalized finance, uh, sorry, the personalized insurance. So as you know, like AI, the, the, the biggest power of AI is to do the personalization because it's collected a very detailed level of personal information and it can use this information to give accurate, you know, kind of, for example, the, in like say the interest, like the loan interest. And in terms of insurance, um, you know, like there are many kind of applications of using AI for this called usage-based insurance. I just give an example. There's a company called Root, uh, which instead of like charging you a fixed amount of insurance for your car, it has some sensors to install on your car and detect your like driving behavior. And based on your driving behavior, very detailed analysis of your driving behavior, it decides you know, the premium of the insurance. I think like personalized insurance will become one of the more popular and there's certainly a big area like of application of AI to FinTech. That's great. And you know, honestly, you're really touching on a lot of subjects that, that AI can, you know, can have applications to that even I never really thought of too much. I mean, we, we think of wealth tech and, and, and it's very common that, you know, when people think about AI and wealth tech, we think about, you know, automated, uh, you know, advisors, right? Uh, or kind of mm -hmm. robo advisors as we call them. And, and I think, you know, some of the concerns and it's been addressed on a, a previous podcast before with the, the robo advisors is if you have, uh, let's say the artificial intelligence advising people in their portfolios, would would they not continue to just give the same advice? If this is great advice, would you not see everybody getting the same advice? And in which case the, the investment would actually not be as valuable as it could have been? Uh, I think it's a very good question. So basically, uh, as you can see nowadays, the people still have like a very diversified portfolio because you are entering a lot of like your personal information to the robot advising. So for example, your uh, risk, you know, kind of tolerance, your age, like, and your like assets and what is your goal. Um, I think it varies from person to person, family to family. And based on this kind of uh, information, you know, the robot advising can give suggestions based on your own like personal profile. And in the future, you know, like in the future, if the, this robot advising can have access, let's say for, for example, to all like your loans, your credit card information, it's even do not need your help to entering like your personal information. It can, just extract all your information. Of course, we need to under very strict privacy regulation. But if they can like, access all this information, I think it can make a very personalized kind of advising like strategy and give like you know like different constructions of portfolio. And they may also give you the choice that you can you know like make a choice on on like they give you several different choices and you can make one from them 
or you know, like it's kind of, with, with like the NLP, you know, the natural language processing, the robot advisor even can just behave like a real advisor to check with you. You know, based on your profile, I see probably you want this and this kind of a components in your portfolio. Do you agree with that? Or if you want to adjust the, like the percentage, so you can have, you know, like a real natural conversation with the real robot, like the, with the robot advising. And this will make your experience much, much better. And certainly based on the personal conversation, the portfolio will also be different from one person to another. That's great. And, and one thing that you keep saying, and I think that uh, is kind of a, a new sort of subject when it comes to AI is, is the personalization. You know, so, so I, I think a lot of times when we think of AI, we just think of a big machine somewhere, uh, you know, kind of just gathering a bunch of information, gathering a bunch of information and sort of making its own decisions. But this is really kind of bringing it back to the consumer itself. Right. I mean, now we're talking about, like you said, personalization of robo advisory, where it's not just going to give the best advice for, you know, trading stocks and bonds, but it's going to give the best advice for you based on you know how you behave based on his understandings of your personality type, uh, even even more so than you might know, you know, maybe uh, somebody might be young, in which case a lot of advisors would say, oh, whenever you're young, now's the time to, you know, invest more aggressively and to bid into higher risk, higher reward sort of um, investment vehicles, or as you're older, you might want to kind of, you know, tone that down and be a little bit more conservative, whereas, you know, uh, a robo-advisor would be able to say, well, this person might be, let's say, 20, but based on their behaviors, I could see that, you know, they still might be more risk adverse than other 20 year olds. And I'm going to go ahead and make based sure. On their make personal sure. behavior, their loans, their, you know, like, even, you know, like from their, you know, like kind of a historical investments, you know, like even they get information from their family. Um, they can, as you mentioned, they can make very personalized decisions in that even you are very young, but that probably provide you like a more conservative kind of suggestions. Exactly. And, and another thing you touched on was uh, you know, insure tech as well. You know, basically, um, you know, artificially intelligence, personalized insurance. You know, so I think that one of the big fallacies that insurance has, which you might be able to call it a fallacy or you might be able to call it objective, is, you know, they basically group people into demographics based on their age, a lot of times their gender, um, their, their behavior patterns, especially when it comes to health insurance or you... Uh, athletic are you in shape are you overweight do you smoke um you know so there's a lot of times where you can say okay well all insurances are doing is just going based on statistics but then again they're they're also imposing unfair biases on people that that may have things kind of outside their control whereas you know artificial intelligence actually may be able to say sure this person may have these uh, sort of traits on paper but actually we don't have to charge them so much for insurance because what I can tell is I don't think that they're a huge risk for the insurance company. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's okay. amazing. And, and so I think a lot of this comes down to, you know, one thing that uh, we've really been kind of pushing towards in universities is financial literacy. And I think especially in the U.S., you know, we've kind of been saying, do schools really prepare us for the real world in terms of do we even know how to apply for a loan? Do we know how to stay out of debt? Do you know how to manage finances? Um, yeah. it's, it's not really a curriculum that's taught in, in high schools and it's seldomly taught in universities as well. Um, but being you know, you know, a highly you know, decorated professor at you know, a very prestigious university, New York University, are you seeing FinTech being taught as a curriculum in universities or is it more of you know, finances, 
uh, a major and then technology is the major, but is FinTech itself actually um, a curriculum in universities? Um, yeah, it's a very good question. Uh, from my very personal experience, I think it's the answer will be yes and no. There are some FinTech courses offered, uh, but still like they're mostly in finance. Um, in other words, I think they are emphasized a little bit more on the finance, but uh, maybe a slightly less on the technology side. So it's, in my perspective, it's really an uh, interdisciplinary field. So like involve both, you know, technology part and finance part. So, you know, as the FinTech becomes more and more important, I can envision in the future, there will be some, you know, kind of a joint degree programs between let's say computer science and the finance. Um, but, you know, I still like think this takes some time. And also, you know, like there, I am seeing that there is a trend like more and more FinTech center um, having established, for example, NYU, New York University have this Fubon center, which is dedicated to FinTech. Um, but I will in, in like envision that there will be more and more centers established in this space in the next like 10 years. It's really like an emerging and a very exciting field. That's great. And, uh, and I think that definitely as, as we realize that FinTech it really does touch us as consumers. It's not, you know, kind of just for the institutions or for the banks or for the insurance companies. It actually is things that affects everyday life. You know, everybody now pays with their phone. Everybody now you know, taps their credit card to pay. Um, you know, so, so it really does affect all of us. And I think that as that uh, makes our lives more convenient, more students will be pushing towards these sort of curriculums. Yeah. Kind of, kind of going a little bit onto a different topic. Um, one thing that you know we, we kind of tend to save the the blockchain conversations for our, our blockchain audiences, but you know I think that you would be the, actually the best person to have a conversation with. Um, I, I kind of want to talk a little bit about, more about decentralized finance, or as you know a lot of people say, uh, DeFi. Um, could you tell us a little bit more about what that that means and, and how it applies to fintech? Oh yeah, that's a great topic. That's, you know, I've been working on AI for many years, but now I'm kind of also exploring the space of this uh, blockchain technology and decentralized finance. I think this is a really something you know will become super important in the next uh, 10, 15 years. Uh, so in, in a short words, like uh, decentralized finance is an emerging financial technology that is uh, based on the blockchain technology and secure distributed ledgers. So, but as I give you some examples, as compared to the traditional, what we call the CFI, like centralized finance, you hold your money on your own kind of a ledger, that distributed ledger on the internet in a secure digital wallet. So you have full control over your money and you can transfer your funds like in second and 24 hours a day in seven days. And basically anyone with the internet connection can use the decentralized finance without any pre-approval, for example, uh, in the decentralized finance, there should be no barriers to enter in the field. Um, and also, you know, it should be fully transparent, eliminating the fees like the banks and other financial companies charge for their services. So this is kind of a comparison between the uh, DeFi decentralized finance with the CFI. Uh, I can give you some very concrete applications so you can understand a little bit better. So for example, you know, you can use the decentralized finance for the international payment. And uh, it's what, you know, like happens in one second and the fee is very stable, you know, like as compared to, um, you know, like a different central banks that may charge different fees, you know, on the, on the transaction, on the like, D, like a DeFi for the international payment is completely transparent. 
And there is something called stable coins, which you know packed to like say the US dollar in the decentralized finance. And it can be used for like kind of inflation protection. And the people using like, you know, decentralized finance to swap different like tokens or cryptocurrencies. So it's more like a decentralized exchange. And you can have like lending and borrowing kind of things on the DeFi. And the most exciting, you know, like kind of application, one of the most exciting applications on DeFi is what we call flash loans, which means like you loan the money, you do some transaction and you pay it back. And all the things will just happen like, you know, like in one second. And if you are like along the things and you want to do something, but this thing fails, it's automatically retreat, you know, kind of uh, going back to the original starting position. So this kind of, you know, kind of all of their very new and exciting applications of like decentralized finance. Absolutely. And I think that we see that uh, decentralized finance is really taking the world by storm and, and it's a huge hot topic of conversation and that's something we're going to explore a lot. And, uh, the fintech surge event that we're having at the Dubai World Trade Center in October, um, and we'll probably touch a lot more on that actually at the Future Blockchain Summit, which is co-located co with the same event. And you know, it kind of raises the question that you know, is decentralized finance the future of fintech, or will it always just be an alternative? solution so will we still use centralized finance and decentralized finance or will it eventually kind of take over as the main uh, source of finance i think it's a very good question and it's also a tough question um i have to say it's a little bit too early to tell uh, but very personally i do not think like a DeFi will replace like centralized finance uh it can serve as a very good complement like complement for many applications uh, let's give you some examples. For example, in a game, you know, like uh, you need to do a lot of swaps of different small tokens and for a relatively small amount. And in this case, probably C5 will not be a, you know, kind of a good app, you know, like a good tool. But on the other hand, decentralized finance fit this scenario, you know, like kind of the best. And also in the regions, you know, like under development without any kind of a mature financial or banking system, and DeFi could be a choice for exchange, for lending, for borrowing, you know, like, so it can be a very good complement for the centralized finance, but I won't see like, you know, DeFi will completely take over the place of, you know, CeFi. Yeah, that makes sense. And if, if uh, DeFi does not replace CeFi, does that propose a risk to decentralized finance? If it, like, is it always going to be able to succeed if, you know, it doesn't actually take over as the main way of paying for things? Yeah, I think, you know, there is a lot of issues for DeFi and I still think to solving this issue, we really need, you know, uh, the new development of technology. So DeFi is, you know, like even heavily rely uh, as compared to CeFi, it's relying more on like, you know, the technology advancement. So some, some potential problem of DeFi, for example, the robustness, you know, DeFi is really vulnerable for many kind of a different attacks. For example, we have a sandwich attack, you have all kinds of like arbitrage risk, for example, MEV arbitrage. And also DeFi has, you know, you know, like kind of a, you know, for example, for the stable coin, as, as you probably heard about this, the case of Luna, um, you know, the collapse of Luna also shows that kind of a kind of a vulnerability of, you know, like a stable coin on the DeFi world. So we also need like, you know, like a more like carefully designed regulation for the DeFi. Absolutely. So it's the regulation and, you know, advancement of technology. And I think in the next, I would say five you know, like years, 
platform make DeFi? Like we are rounded and more robust for the past years. Yeah, and I think that you know, as, as with any sort of disruptive technology, there's always going to be growing pains. There's always going to be a need for it to prove itself. And uh, you know, we don't like to talk about the negatives of technology too much because, like we said, the, you know, the, there's always going to be some sort of bugs and kinks that need to be worked out. And uh, unfortunately, with Luna, as you mentioned, um, it did not work out <laughs> in, in, the, in their case. But um, you know, definitely, we we always encourage you know understanding and adapting to the technology so you know we don't just dismiss it as soon as it has this first problem but you no know, we we adapt and we learn and optimize so that way good technology can prosper yeah yeah so um in terms of uh you know anything with fintech so with ai with machine learning with uh, decentralized finance are there any countries or regions that you think are really doing a great job of uh, adapting to this new technology oh that's a very good question i think first of all you know i personally feel like you know i'm very excited about this fintech surge and uh, you know also the blockchain the future blockchain summit because i think uae is really doing great you know like uh, in this field i give you some statistics you know like for example the fintech sector in the middle is growing so rapidly the compound annual growth is more than like 30 percent so i do some you know a little bit homework you know in 2017 it's only around like 30 fintech company and uh, that year it's only raised about like 80 million us dollars in venture capital but in 2022 there are more than 800 fintech companies mm -hmm. and raising like more than 2 billion you know, kind of a VC fund. Um, I think there's a lot of good reasons for that, it's especially for the, the Middle East part. But first of all, you know, like there's, um, you know, the population are kind of young and nearly maybe half of the population is around, you know, below like 25 or 30 years old. And also like the Middle East area now pay a lot of attention for the tech innovation. There are many new schools, you know, university established. So believe it or not, there is a, called the University of Artificial Intelligence, like University Central, you know, like focus on artificial intelligence. And the president actually is one of my professors at CMU when I studied for the PhD degree. So, so I see all this kind of a new technology innovation and education opportunities. And finally, there are a lot of policy support, you know, for example, uh, you know, there's two leading UAE financial free zones like Abu Dhabi Global Market and Dubai International Financial Center. So they are really the flagship examples of the UAE's fintech success. Um, so I think certainly UAE will be one of the, you know, kind of a, you know, like a, the, com the, the country who take the a big stride in the fintech. There are some other countries like Singapore, uh, another country in the South Asia, you know, like some, maybe, you know, with some more and more technology, some country in, in Africa will also, you know, achieve like great success in the fintech. Um, yeah. So. So it's very exciting, you know, see all this kind of a, you know, kind of a, kind of a development and also rapid growth. That's great, and, and it's really exciting to see that uh, you know we're even developing reputation over there in the U.S. Uh, where you, where you're uh, teaching school. Um, you know, UAE really is genuinely becoming you know the fintech and the crypto hub of the the Middle East for sure. Um, you know, like you said that you know the debate. Uh, UAE actually has, you know, the majority of all fintechs in the region are in UAE itself, and, and so so really excited to see, you know, the innovations that are coming to to this country specifically and the Middle East in general. But we're we're very proud of the the UAE 
being the home of all of these fintech uh, organizations. And so, Dr. Chim, you know, I, I really wanted to to thank you for for coming on. But you know, lastly, I really want to to ask. I know that you're going to be coming to the uh, fintech search festival in October at the Dubai World Trade Center, and you're actually doing a workshop, are you not? Uh, yes, I'm very looking forward to coming to the FinTech Surge in October and doing the workshop um, here uh, to yeah. interact with the people, you know, like in the UAE and also the Middle East and also the people coming from all over the world about like the advancement of FinTech. That's, that's really a great, great opportunity. And I think it's a very, it's a critically important topic and it's the right timing because, you know, pandemic already changed the many consumers' behavior for the interaction with, you know, like financial tools and also you know like this we are almost at the end of the hopefully we are at the end of the pandemic and the people re re resume traveling so so, so it's, it's a fantastic you know like timing for doing this workshop and the fintech search at dubai in october great and, and can you tell the audience a little bit about what they expect to learn at the workshop yeah yeah thank you so much for uh bringing this up i think there's a vast like kind of a different topics uh, it's a very hard decision. So probably as a university professor, uh, I would focus a little bit more on the technology side because I think that people get so many access to, you know, like the, uh, the, the finance part, you know, like you can listen to the podcast, you can see the news, uh, but I will be a little bit focused on the technology part. I will uh, especially focus on Web3. I would, you know, describe a little bit about Web3. I will give an overview of blockchain technology. And also I would, you know, dig down to the decentralized finance, talking about different applications and talk of like decentralized finance and technology behind them. And uh, if time permits, I can also, you know, bring some use case of DeFi and maybe AI and also have like round table discussion with the participants. Amazing, amazing. And I'm, I'm sure that the audience is really going to look forward to, you know, kind of the insights that you're going to be offering at the FinTech Surge in Dubai. And, uh, you know, we're really looking forward to seeing you, Dr. Chen. Um, you know, I know that uh, we're in July right now, but uh, October is right around the corner. So uh, I look forward to seeing you in Dubai, uh, October 10th through the 13th at Dubai World Trade Center for FinTech Surge. Thank you so much, Stephen, for this interview. I extremely appreciate your efforts. Great. Thanks for joining us. And we'll see you soon, Dr. Chen. Thank you so much. Really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you for listening. Subscribe for all the latest updates on FinTech in the Middle East and join the conversation over on our social channels. We look forward to seeing you at FinTech Surge in the Dubai World Trade Center from October 10th to October 13th. I'm Stephen Bess, and this has been the FinTech Surge podcast, creating a wealth of opportunities.